0: Howdy doody, you know if you ever come across a gate in the wild, apparently you should leave it the way you found it, that's what they say, so if it's open, leave it open, if it's closed, leave it closed, why? I asked myself that question because apparently the reason no, maybe that is I don't know like a farmer leaving his uh gate like that so that cattle can move through, you know, or maybe it's something else I don't know. Maybe it's closed so that nothing comes through. There you go. That'd be the other one. So what are we doing today? Well, I got my backpack on. I'm walking to where I'm in the process of building a little A-frame, which is like a very, very basic, primitive shelter made out of, pardon me, natural resources in your environment. I'm so sorry for doing that burp so early on, like what a way to throw you off. But anyway, so we're hiking there. It's not far away to be honest. It's just up like up a steep hill and then through the bush. I went out last week and made a trail with some trail tape. Uh, Which is surprisingly fun going off trail and just bushwhacking. I just went north of the trail, so it was easy to come back. And then I marked it up with trail tape red trail tape. You just tie it around a twig or a stick until you get to wherever you're going. And then, you know, you just follow the same way back. And then the A frame. I'm currently building is... God, I'm so unfair. Talking and walking... is not my strong suit, but when you're in the bush... solo, it's also quite important... because you want to make noise... so you don't get attacked by something... especially because I've got my headphones in right now... so I can't hear very much around me... if there was something climbing... up or coming over the ridge or through the bush... I wouldn't really hear it to be honest, so you got to be loud, nice and loud for the bears and hope that nothing's there. Uh, So today I'm going to talk about the little A-frame that I'm building and the process of building, I'll say what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and Probably talk about what's in my backpack too or what I'm taking with me for this short trip. I'm only expecting to be gone two hours. So I gave a three hour time frame to someone that uh, is back home. They know where I'm going. So just in case anything bad happens out here, someone knows where I'll be and how long I should be so as I said it's not a very long trip so I didn't have to bring much I'm wearing a pair of boots Um, hard soles flexible ankle coverage not the most supportive boots but I'm not going anywhere crazy so it's okay I've got a pair of shorts on with a belt that belt becomes imperative when you start attaching stuff to it and I have a little th- like a little t-shirt on uh, my backpack on my back it's just a 35 liter small thing uh, on my waist I have a fixed point full tang probably five inch let me check five inch blade from a company called shred S C-H-R-A-D and I have a little flip knife by Browning on my other hip and then in my bag I have a saw a little like easy compact saw I don't know what you call them similar to the switch knife or switch blade if you call it that where you can pull the saw blade out of the saw handle to use it it just connects in place there and then what else do i have i have an axe in there by the same company schrade just not an axe even it's a hatchet the difference being hatchets are small and one-handed if that is an easy way to describe it and axes are much larger usually I have a machete by Schrade as well. Schrade or Shade? Shrade A uh, machete that I ended up... kind of busting... the middle of the blade of the other day, acting like an idiot. During this... Fuck. One of the problems about... doing the podcast whilst you're walking through the bushes, not paying as much attention as I should be paying. Or more in my head. And also... Wearing shorts as you get your legs ripped up on thorny bushes. Most of those thorny bushes are Oregon grape. Uh, I found that out last week when I took a picture of them with the identifier plant thing I have in my phone, courtesy recommended by the wonderful Robbie Neal. And uh, I also checked them out in this little book I have about North American edible plant species uh, I just veered off path now instead of tracking north and following the tape there's a section where I take a west of western approach and then I go off trail for a little bit not far uh, just so that less and less people will find the A shelter if they stumble upon it who knows who else is walking through here it's weird you can walk through the bush in the middle of nowhere for like a chunk of time and then you come across a trail with markings and stuff on it. It's weird. You're never that far away from humanity. I guess unless you're in like the Brooks Range of Alaska. Anyway, so I was using this machete to uh cut off some of the little limbs from big branches to make the shelter with. And uh, I just hit a, I, I hit it into a too thick a bit of the branch, and unfortunately, because of that, I, uh, I actually not even just dulled it, I like warped the metal. It's really bad. Uh, anyway, so I have that in my bag too, and uh, and then what else do I have? Axe, machete, saw. I have a shovel little compact shovel tiny little thing it's from Coleman I'll do it like a gear episode soon and discuss more stuff backpack related but for now I'm just letting you know what I'm bringing with me uh, it's only about I don't know, 10 pounds of gear it's not a lot at all I've got a water bottle with a liter of water in it some ice because it's stonkingly hot right now and I also have my phone obviously with my headphones attached I have a marine flare in the side holster, like the water bottle holster of my backpack. Uh, Just in case the unfortunate event of a crazy ass cougar, pack of wild wolves that are bent on destroying me. Or really, a grizzly bear is the main thing. Just in case I see one of those suckers. I did a lot of reading and marine flares are used by Alaskan Uh, guides or guides in Alaska I guess they're probably not all Alaskan guides but people up there that are guiding they don't use bear spray as much because wind and other issues that can come from the wind so instead they're using these marine flares it's you know imagine a real thick 10 inch marker maybe an inch wide in diameter and uh what you do is you take the tip off and then you strike the inside of the flare with it and it'll ignite the flare and have a really nice big bright loud hot ignition that'll go off for three minutes bear spray might last up to like you know 10 seconds if you're lucky depending on what one you have so these are apparently oh, wasps Apparently really good for deterring bears. Some deer tracks on the way up here. Little bit of bear scat on the way, but it's dry, very very dry. It's also super dry here, so but it was here a couple days ago so I'm not too worried about it. And let's make sure coming around this ridge that the cabin's still here. And it is. I called it a cabin. I shouldn't have called it a cabin. It's definitely not. Looks like there's a couple tracks inside the camp. But nothing crazy. It would be expected that some wildlife would come through here. And uh, nothing looks too problematic to me. I don't know anything. So that doesn't help. But you know, you can pretend you, you know, you can read all the books. But until you put it into practice, I doubt you know so what am i looking at well i've spent about three hours doing this over the course of two days just because it's so hot it's like 35 degrees right now centigrade centigrade no celsius what's centigrade coming from so because of that i'm not spending too much time doing this i mean it only took me what 15 no 10 minutes maybe to get here it's not exactly far away yeah it took me 10 minutes to get here so not far away uh this is the second little a-frame i've been trying to build the two classic examples of shelter that you're going to find are going to be a-frames and lean-tos and they're pretty much similar in structure one of them just has uh, an extra side to it imagine what i'm talking about right now so you're going to take two Two trees already standing upright. They don't have to be trees standing upright, but obviously if you can use trees that are standing upright, you avoid having to dig some holes and put some posts in of yourself. If you didn't have any upstand upright trees that were in a good good place, good location with a level ground and close enough together that you're not trying to look for too big a branch that's too heavy to tie between them both horizontally, then you wouldn't need to, but you can hear those trees knocking together above me. Hey, it's windy beautiful little section of tree, uh, forest though. Anyway. So right now I've got two trees, nice and tall and strong, probably six foot apart from one another. Let's check this out. Maybe smaller, maybe four foot, let's say five foot apart from one another. And I have found a nice two inch wide so damn about two inch six foot long tree branch to stick to that so it's about how high is it on me it's not touching my it's on my shoulder so it's about five foot five depending how big your head is about five foot five high and i've lashed that which is a term used for tying something Nice cold Budweiser, always good out here. I've lashed that to this tree horizontally. So you can imagine I'm making goalposts. That's the way to think about it. You've got the two trees standing upright and then you've got a a branch tied, roped to that on either side using some twine, just some real cheap, basic like leathery twine. The hardest part was actually tying the first one up I try this is the reason I said this is my second attempt is because the first one failed. I had a big bit and I'm talking huge gap to cover, which must be two and a half times the size of the one I actually end up doing. It's like 10, 12, maybe 14 foot long or something crazy like that. And I was trying to get this big old fucking tree to connect to them both. But it's tough on your own out here connecting all that stuff. So I just, I just rested the first... The way you're doing this is I'm resting that branch on my shoulder and I'm getting this twine, as much of it as I can so I don't run out. And I'm, as I have it on my, resting on my shoulder, imagine, it, imagine the top end of the branch is on my shoulder and the back is on the ground. And I'm holding it there to begin with. And then I'm actually picking it up and holding that branch on my shoulder with my arm hugging around it like American football that I'm about to throw and then I'm taking some twine and I'm throwing it around the tree catching it on the other side and I'm starting to loop it under and over and wrap it around and for a guy that doesn't know shit about knots you know I was just trying to make it work and it did I managed to get that first one on as soon as you get that on, the rest is easy. Or You uh, just hoist the other side up onto your shoulder, but it's supported from the other side, and then you tie that around the tree on that side. So it wasn't crazy. I think you're meant to use more of a three inch thick piece of wood, and the greener the better. Green wood, green wood means wet wood, pretty much. And not wet as in it's been soaking in rain or something. Wet as in it's still, I mean, obviously the rain has helped, but it's still growing, it's not dry throughout, it's got a green sheen on the inside of the bark, you could peel off a bit of the bark and have a look, but normally it's on, I just mean in wetter environments, just, there's nothing wet out here at all right now, I'm surprised everything's still so green. So this isn't as thick as I wanted it to be and actually it's much less stable than I was hoping it would be as I started piling more and more branches on top of it. So the next step after you've got your goalposts formed is to lean branches that are maybe, I don't know, six to eight foot long onto it at an angle. Let's say like a 60 to 90 degree angle, a pretty acute angle. So it's steep, but leaning back like there's probably two foot of space between the top golf post uh sorry football post of this of these goal posts and and the back of it two to three feet plenty space especially with the tips coming off the edge for you to sit under and have shelter from some of the sun i've done this south facing uh have i done this south facing if i'm looking out i'm like no north facing what am i talking about if you're sitting in it you're looking north So the majority of the sun, which is coming from the south, the sun rises in the east. It follows a southerly trajectory and sets in the west. Obviously on the, I think the spring equinox or summer equinox and winter solstice or whatever you want to call it. Those are the most dramatic changes between the rising and the setting. Uh, Again, more stuff I'm trying to learn about navigation, but... uh, That's just to avoid as much sun as possible because it's so fucking hot here. And then I'm starting to put these sticks on it. I'm trying to get as straight sticks as possible. Not crazy heavy, not crazy dry. Just difficult to find anything around here for that. So I've got one, two, three, two, three, four. I've got some 50 sticks, 40, 40, 50 sticks lined up against this thing, leaning on it at a very acute angle the reason you've got such a big angle and you're not letting them go out more giving yourself more space underneath it is because you don't necessarily need more space underneath it that's all you need to stay dry or, or slightly cooler and we'll get to dry in a moment but cooler and it also helps shed rain when it starts raining in a few months So you imagine this goalpost and it's got sticks leaned up against it at an angle so that it makes a kind of like awkward roof on one side. Imagine you've got one really, really, like a church steeple that's coming off the back. And then because I wasn't too certain on whether or not this uh, horizontal goalpost that I'm calling the brace, the brace, I wasn't too sure if that was going to be strong enough. I've put a second support in the middle of both the trees. And that's what we're going to work on today. have got a couple things to work on today to make this a bit better. That support is coming up at an opposite angle from the branches I leaned on it. And that is coming up buried in the ground. I dug a little hole in the ground. I stuck it in the ground. It's much thicker than the rest of it. I can't even fit my, my hand around it because it's much thicker. Whereas the rest of the sticks, I can touch my own fingers if I put my hand around it. That's a good way to think about it. I can touch my own sticks. Some of them I can overlap like a whole knuckle of thumb around it. Those ones have probably made more sense to be honest. I found out as I was doing this that there's a certain level of work required to carry heavy, thick logs over here. And that smaller sticks slash branches are much more adequate. It's hard to talk about all this stuff without pictures because what's a pebble to you and what's a stone to you and what's a brick versus this? You know, what's a stick to you? What's a branch and what's a log? Anyway, it all makes sense eventually. I'll take some pictures and do a video or something like that. I'll post it on Instagram and YouTube. But I've got this buried in and then I'm propping the weight of all those logs onto it. Now, that seems great to begin with. But the problem is I thought I may as well prepare for the fire now even though the, I won't have a fire for three months. Probably October will be the first time we have a fire here. So maybe late September depending on the weather. So this bloody log that's bracing the main brace in the opposite side as all of the leaning branches is now in the perfect position for the fire to go. So, what I've done, I'm gonna to do today is I'm gonna take it off nice and slowly, hoping that this thing's not gonna snap. I'm gonna saw part of it. Well, I'm first gonna measure the length of the log from the ground where the tree is up, and then I'm gonna saw it off so that it fits right there. And I'm gonna put that support right tucked in against one of the trees. I'm gonna do one to begin with on the most fragile looking side, which is this tip where I've started putting shingles, which are like tiles of a roof on the one side. And I've closed in the edge. I'm trying to do this for wind, so that the wind only has one way to come in and can't pick up the smoke from the fire that we're going to have and blow it all in there when we're trying to sleep in the winter. If we, if you know, if I end up doing that, we, I'm talking about me and my partner, but I don't know. I'm sure she'll come up mostly. Me being a little bushman up here, either way, it will happen. So, I've covered one of the sides because if you imagine a goalpost with sticks coming off the edge of it, like a church steeple, then obviously both sides are going to have an acute angle where there is nothing and wind's going to blow in there. And if you're sleeping in there, that's going to be cold at night. Obviously, we're trying to trap as much thermal energy from the fire as possible. So I've covered up one of those sides, the side that I believe to be most windy. I don't know why the fuck I'm even saying that, because I don't really know. I'll figure it out as we go. Maybe I'll even cover up the other side, who knows? But anyway, we'll put the braces on today. One on one side, and if it doesn't look good enough, one on the other side. It will take a bit of work. Then I'll build a little fire pit in here. I'm going to dig into the ground a little bit so there's nothing dry soily on top i'll dig like maybe six inches to a foot into the ground probably about six inches to a foot wide in diameter and then i'll build it up with nice big rocks around it to kind of protect the embers a little bit and stop wind coming in and dealing with that fire the reason we're doing that is exactly for those reasons the wind to begin with so when we've got that fire in a nice little cavity in the ground that wind's not going to come in and pick it up as much and disturb it but Obviously, you still want some oxygen in there, so don't go too deep. And then the rocks around it will help stop some wind coming in as well. You can always move them around a bit if you feel like you need more oxygen. Open one side of it up to let that cavity into us. I'm not going to make the walls of it too big. I just want some support around it. And then what I've already done is built a reflector for that fire to go in. I was ahead of myself with that, but I liked what I was doing. So I took four decent-sized sticks, I dug a hole, well, I dug four little holes in the ground, they're probably, I don't know, four feet wide, the same horizontal track as the little shelter that I'm building, and they're probably about, I don't know, only a foot deep, like apart from each other. Two on either, either end, like you're building a set of goalposts again, but you're putting two posts down on either side and what that did was make like a little corral or a little like uh, a little like kind of support for me to start dropping logs in imagine your tetris board at home and you're dropping little tet not tetris what's that game called connect four you're dropping little little circles in your connect four imagine i just built myself a little connect four thing but obviously the thing i'm dropping is long logs, long light logs in there and I'm building them all up, so it makes it technically makes a little fence like a little wall that wall is positioned four foot away from roughly four foot, it's not like I measured it away from the A-frame two foot away from the fire and the fire will be a good two foot away from the A-frame too you know what, it's probably going to be a bit more than that it's probably going to be three and six foot now that I'm thinking about and measuring it And what that's going to do is allow some of that temperature, some of that thermal energy and heat from the fire to bounce off the wall and be reflected back into the A-frame shelter that I might sleep in in winter. It also allows that wall to hold on to the thermal energy instead of it being lost entirely into space. And that's gonna help keep the thermal energy and the heat during those colder months. I mean, that's ideal. It's not like I'm gonna live in this whole fucking, this fucking thing the whole winter, I'm just, I'm just doing this. I don't want the time that I have to do this to be the time that I need to do this. I wanna learn how to do it first so I can actually go off and do it. There's a grand plan underway that's years away and I'm working on it, but this is step one of many, one of the many first steps towards that. I started building a second one up higher in the mountain, like a good hour walk into the mountain versus just 10 minutes during, underneath a lot of dead, uh, dead wood, dead trees, dead wood, because there have been so many fires around here. There's a lot of dead fucking fire stricken ash country, a barren wasteland of dead trees. So I started building one there that has a real nice view of the lake and Ideally, it, there'll be a couple of these, a few of them, not just two, I shouldn't say a couple, a few of these. It's funny how in the English language a couple can mean two or a couple can mean more than two, just depending on how you're talking about I Oh yeah, grab a couple. You want two? Nah, a few. You know what? I'm so confused. Anyway, so there'll be a few of these dotted around the place so that you can go and chill out at either of them and during hikes. It makes hikes easier. You can sit down in a shelter, maybe kick up a little fire. Spend a couple hours there, carry on to get to a much further location up in the mountains. So, yeah, we've got this reflector to help maintain warmth and temperature. Because, I mean, during, uh, during the winter when it's like minus 10, minus 20, who knows how it, it does, I don't think it gets much colder than minus 20 here. Uh, you're going to need as much heat as possible to sleep under this thing. And uh, there's going to be snow all around it and it's going to be really interesting. So hopefully this is going to help with that. Learning about some of this thermal energy stuff, I'm reading from this guy called morse Korshank. He's a legend in Canadian bushcraft and wilderness experience. And you've never heard someone talk so scientifically about survival as this man talks about the exact units of thermal energy that certain clothing will help carry and... The exact units of thermal energy that different logs will burn, of size, and all these things—it's very interesting, but far from where I am. I'm still just making fires, you know, seeing if they work. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to do now today here. First of all, I'm going to walk back down the mountain for ten minutes to pick up a big piece of plywood that I have because that plywood is going to be used for, uh, for a little firing range for both bow and arrow, and then this air rifle that I have. I got a sub-par 490 feet per second, which is the power. Uh, that's how you talk about air rifles. Air rifle from Ruger, who's a solid gun maker. It's a Ruger Airhawk, it's called, I believe. And it's just a solid nine pound. Uh, it's not bolt action. What is it? Brake action. I need to remember this stuff. Brake action air rifle with a four by some 24 maybe scope. And iron sights as well. So that I can learn how to handle guns correctly and learn how to aim correctly and calmly before I end up taking something's life later on for food and sustainability purposes. So, yeah, I got that because I don't want to just get a gun and start shooting and I've got a little bit of time to do before I finish my courses and I want to learn as much as I can as quickly as I can so that I put as little as possible in risk of danger, in risk of hurting things and disrespecting the things that Mother Nature gave us such as wildlife and uh, gave us, I mean just in generally provided for the planet. I wanna make sure that I'm capable of all the things necessary prior to pulling the trigger on something big. So I'm just getting used to holding the weapon, cleaning the weapon, uh, loading the weapon. Did I say that? I think I said carrying. Uh, Yeah, carrying the weapon through the bush The weight of it, the feel of it How to deal with issues when they come up And how to aim correctly How to breathe properly Etc, etc Trying to do all this with a subpar Or sub-power Air rifle first So that there's less uh, trouble when it comes down to the real stuff Because that's how I like to do things I like to do things nice and slowly Or jump into the deep end, but jumping in the deep end of killing an animal and uh, firing weapons is not something that I feel comfortable with. So slow and steady wins the race for me in that regard. Uh, If it was bungee jumping, I would feel differently. I don't want to read anything about bungee jumping necessarily. It'd probably just scare me out more. I just want to jump. But when it comes to uh, purchasing a weapon that I will then use to kill something... Then I want to be as clued up as I can on it on the ethics, on the regulations, on the emotions, the feeling, on the handling of that tool, the maintenance of it, the different kinds of things that are associated to it, on purchasing the right thing, etc. etc. So, yeah, I want to put in the work before I go ahead and do that thing. So, I've got this nice big, like six by four uh, piece of wood down near the house, near the cabin that we're staying in right now, just buried away in the bushes. And I need to drag it through the bush up here on my back or on my side somewhere. And then I'll put it in a nice location where there's a chunk of dirt behind it. Like I'll put it uphill instead of downhill. Downhill, you don't know where your bullet's going to go if you miss, which ideally you're not going to miss a target as big as that, but uh you could miss a target as big as that if you're being silly or if you haven't zeroed in a scope and you just put a fresh scope on it and that means you haven't like made sure that the scope is currently accurate based on your distance etc cetera, etc cetera, all these things so i'll bring same for the the bow and arrow to be honest you have more chance of missing with a bow and arrow to begin with than a rifle for sure i i believe under my previous nothingness of experience but uh, I've probably shot about 50 arrows and a couple hundred pellets so far with the air gun and the bow that I have. And I have missed that target more with the bow than I have with the rifle. So there you go. The bow also does much more damage. I got a 60-pound draw recurve bow. And that means it's a tra- pretty traditional bow like you imagine seeing none of these funky gadgets on the side of it. Uh, it has a draw weight of 60 pounds and that for me is a little bit on the edge of becoming difficult to draw back on but it's also the minimum necessary weight for killing something so i just got it and i'll just suck it up and pull it as much times as possible and hopefully not rip a fucking shoulder muscle out it's not crazy heavy or anything but you could, I mean, I can't, act, I can't accurately lift a 60-pound kettlebell without there being a little wobble. So it's like that, but you're drawing it back in a weird, weird way instead of drawing it up, pulling it up. Anyway, yeah. So I got that, and I'll bring, so I'll bring the firing range target up here. I've got a big target sheet. I'll duct tape to that sucker, and then uh, tomorrow or the next day or in the next few days, I'll start bringing the rifle up here practicing safe handling of it and bringing the bow up here practicing the safe handling of that etc as I get up here and then I can use that to do some firing on and make sure that my shots are tight meaning they are very very close to one another in a, in a consistent manner I want like an inch of difference between them maximum and i won't get that for a while but i'm pretty nap hand with it. i feel I feel a pretty nap hand i've been putting little inch pieces of duct tape on some trees and shooting them which do you know what i mean dead trees not live trees dead trees and uh, you got to be careful that those dead trees aren't too uh aren't too strong because those pellets can fly off at awkward angles you take your fucking eyeball out uh because it's not the most powerful gun you know This gun isn't really going to kill anything for me to begin with. There is a chance that I can take a squirrel with it if I see one in the right location and it's the right kind of squirrel. I mentioned on the last episode that there are some Schedule C animals here in BC in Canada, which means that you don't need a hunting license or a PAL, which is a personal acquisition license or gun license. I'll just call it that from now on. You don't need a gun license to be able to take one. Uh, so I would like to start by taking one of them with the rifle and then I can learn how the process of killing something makes me feel I can learn how to skin it gut it and cook it quarter it and cook it and obviously that would be a big experience for me I don't want to start with a deer to be honest I want to start with that so a little bit of work to do today nothing crazy uh, I'm just going to finish this beer sitting in the shade of this A-frame. And uh, now, how do I have shade in this A-frame? Obviously, there are these 50 or 40 beams, little branches that are sitting in a cute, a weird angle to protect my bat right now from the sun that's coming in. But there's going to be gaps throughout that. So what I then did was I went and started looking for bow boughs. they're called. Bobows. Maybe they're not bow bows. They're just boughs or bows. Bows. B-O-U-G-H, Fuck. B-O-B-O-G-Y-T? Burgter. It's a burgter. Pretty much you're looking for like nice thick uh branches of uh fresh pine or something of the sort from a s from a spruce tree or a pine tree or something like that. Now, as I said, it's been so dry here that nothing on the ground is dry. It's green still. It's all, like, the minute you touch the needles, they just disappear into nothing. And um, there's no chance I'm going to cut down some actual branches off of living trees just to pretend make this den. So instead, I actually looked for something which is even cooler, shingles out of bark from deadfall. So I got these big trees in front of me, and they ha- some of them still have the bark on them. It's not rubbed off yet, or been knocked off, or fallen away. So I'll take my knife, like I'm, I'm using the the fixed point Schrade blade on my hip for this, that five inch, pretty thick, beefy full tang blade. I say fixed point because I don't know what I'm talking about. That's the now it's the it's the way that the tip of the blade ends I say full tang because that means the metal of the blade runs the whole way down the handle to the bottom it's one solid piece of metal and the handle has been added to the outside of that uh, if you had a half tang or a third two thirds tang it obviously means that blade is either ending like maybe at the handle and you've just got a handle and that blade is socketed into the handle or you've got something that goes maybe a third of the way into the handle uh, I want durability for as long as possible with a nice thick blade that can be efficient for lots of purposes. So I got one that flows all the way down to the bottom of the handle. It's got a nice solid rubber handle. It feels good uh, in the blade. Two areas for me to rest my finger in, depending where I want it to be. And a relatively sharp blade. I have a shoulder sharpener at home. It could be sharper, but it gets the job done and is available for lots of different purposes so I take this knife and I cut into the bark of one of these dead trees and I run that nice and tight like a surgical incision down let's say the the tree is lying on its side across me horizontally kind of like that big top beam of the golf post uh, the goal that I was talking about so I'm looking at it and it's lengthways it's not I couldn't walk straight down it. Like if I took a step, I'd step right over it. That's the way it's going. Take the knife, and I cut into the top of the bark. I run that knife down, you know, 180 degrees of the of the tree bark, straight down underneath it. I then do that same thing, two foot, three foot, maybe four foot along, depending on what kind of bark, how the bark feels. I don't know how the bark is meant to feel. I'm just doing this as I'm going trying to learn it so uh thankfully this bark has been holding up really well and then i'll do that maybe i, I have one of these pieces it must be four foot or six foot or something like that. It's crazy i go six foot down five foot down whatever and i do the same thing and then i take that blade and i go lengthways between those between those uh two cuts that i already made so i connect them on the top all six foot or four foot or whatever it is you're doing two foot then i duck slide my fingers underneath it, and I hug my fingers to the inside of the tree with my nails touching the bark. So I'm putting my fingers into it. Imagine if you had a chicken with the chicken skin on a whole chicken. You made a little incision in the chicken skin and you put your fingers in there. Your nails are touching the, touching the bottom of the chicken skin. The palm of your hand is touching the chicken's breast, for example, or meat. The meat is the tree trunk. The skin is the bark of the tree. And then I just run my hand along that whole thing nice and carefully. And you can pull off these tiles, which are beautiful six foot, four foot, two foot long tiles. And then I just place them along and around the back of the A-frame, resting on those same logs that are kind of resting there, the branches that are resting. And then that gives a fucking ton of protection from it there's there's big chunky pieces of wood now that are really light just hugging it it looks cool I've only done a half or a quarter maybe of the A-frame like that so far so I will need to do more of that as I go but for now it was just a test to see if it would work and it fucking worked it was dope it felt super cool Uh, yeah so that's what I'll use that knife for Why do I have another knife, though, Rob? I hear you asking. Uh, Well, I I might need to make, like, a steak. Not, like, a filet mignon. More like a a vampire steak. You would drill into a vampire's heart. You're probably going to need to do that to the ends of a couple of these branches. Like, the ones that I have stuck in the ground to support the reflecting wall for the fire. Those ones I had to sharpen the ends of so they went in the ground a little bit easier it's a little bit sandy up here and the the ground's really dry so it's easy to get through but to make sure they're as cemented in there as possible I took the back of my axe well I took the knife I sharpened off the tips of them with the shred knife the big one first and then I made them even tighter sharpenings with a much sharper knife on my uh on my side the browning knife That one is the one that I really only use for smaller tasks. And then I have an even smaller knife, which is ideally for gutting an animal and cutting through some hide and stuff. It doesn't really get used for anything. It hasn't really been used for much, and that is what it will be used for. So I keep it as sharp as I physically can for that purpose. So obviously I don't have it with me because I'm not intending on taking anything, and I have nothing to take a squirrel with or anything like that whilst I'm here anyway. So, uh, yeah. So I have that other knife to do that with to sharpen those tips and any other random bushcraft things that we have, I have to do whilst I'm out here. Little little random things. It's crazy what you can do with a knife. Like you could fell a whole tree with a knife. I mean, the right tree with the right knife and the right person. Uh, there a lot of stuff you can do with a knife and just learning how to use one better is a really important thing for me right now. Yeah. So we're looking pretty good. I should really take a video of this so that I can show you what I'm doing. And I will do that. What else do we have going on here? About 30 feet away, slightly more downhill on this little micro slope that I'm on right now, there will be a toilet. That would just be a big old hole in the ground with a V, like like a big thick log at a V, sitting above it, so that you can put your hands on that log and just squat into it. With a toilet roll. Nothing special. And uh, I went there the other day and it was uh, probably the second or third time I've ever shat in the woods. And it tell you what, it takes a while to get over that. As a guy, you forget you have to position your willy because there's nothing stopping it. Just you pissing all over your pants. First time I went, I think I pissed all over my own pants in between my legs. It was brutal. But kind of hilarious. You have to laugh at yourself for being such a shit Literally, I don't mind the pun. Such a shit primitive person. Uh, so that'll go over there in the corner. The reason it's downhill from here is so that you know, just in case there's rain and stuff that's flowing down the hill, it doesn't wash all that stuff into us, or me, or camp. And then I'm gonna stop trying to make a garden here as well. I started tilling the soil the other day, which, you know. I don't know if that's a bad idea or not. It seems like a good idea to me. I'm just tilling like this 10 by 10, maybe 15 by 15 foot piece of flat ground. It doesn't have much going on for it. Taking my shovel and I'm just digging down like a foot and then mixing all up that soil. I'm bringing like three liters of water every every few days and I'm just pouring that water all in there to start trying to awaken the stuff, the minerals there. I've got some coffee grounds and mushroom manure at home if I want, I can bring that up just to saturate the soil a little bit. And I'm going to plant some courgettes and acorns and other things in there, just seeds. And I'm not really going to do much. I'll water it every now and again, but I'm just going to leave it. I just want to know the possibility of these things growing in this weather, in this place, with these nutrients, etc., and the feeling of the soil so that I know for a future what's necessary. You'd imagine you'd need some pretty ripe soil grow but you know what maybe maybe there's enough out here already so uh, I'll try I'll give it a shot I should probably do it further away from this camp so that if they do start growing it doesn't attract the food doesn't attract uh, bears but hey you don't do everything right your first time do you you gotta try if at first you don't succeed try and try again oh yes so that's what i've got in here and that's what i'm doing today it is i don't know like 3 p.m right now the sun is as hot as it's gonna be here and it's not the best time to start but there's no other time and really i'm only 10 or 15 minutes away from a cold shower when i want one i'm gonna go grab that um big board of wood now and drag it through here so that main part's done then i'll trim the braces so they can support this uh a-frame more then i'll gather some big rocks dig a hole here not big but just dig down make a little ring then we'll be good it's probably only an hour of work max unless i mess up the reason the A-frame took, I mean, I said three hours, it was probably about five hours of work because I spent two hours trying to make something work that would never work. I was too ambitious, you see, too ambitious. But that's what was going to happen the first time you try. You're always going to be too ambitious to, to begin with. And it's good to do that when you don't need to survive, when you're just, you know, doing it for the shits and gigs, doing it for future experience. So that when that time comes, you're, you're fully capable. Oh yeah, lastly, um, I-, I will build like a little pot hanger over the fire. Either a tripod design, which I've done before, three sticks lashed at the top with some twine sitting in above the fire so that you can hang a pot from it, etc., etc. But what I'd rather do is do two pronged sticks on either end of the fire with uh, another brace in between them, very similar to the A-frame base stru- structure without any of the leaning poles. And then... I'll do a hanging pole or string from that. It just looks a little prettier. Takes up less space and diameter. Yeah, so I'll do that. I'll report back in a few days as to where I'm going. I'll have an episode coming up on equipment soon and backpack. I've always got the backpack ready to go. We're in fire country here, so uh, forest fires are happening all the time. To be honest, just the first day we were here, about 20 days ago, uh, there's a massive thunderstorm and there's a big mountain right in front of us. Not big, big, that you know, there's a snowy cap and no trees at the top. But it's, uh, I wouldn't climb it anytime soon. It's going to be a tough one to go up, hopefully by September. But uh, anyway, it's probably, I mean, a thousand, thousand meters. Yeah, it's, it's at least a thousand meters high. And uh big piece of lightning. We, were, we couldn't sleep because the thunder was so loud and then a big piece of lightning smacks down right on the south facing side of that uh, mountain in front of us where we're facing which is about i don't know a kilometer away from us and a forest fire starts up in the middle of the pissing rain it was wild i've never seen anything like that it's pitch black outside you can't see anything you hear thunder all around you with these flashes of lightning and then out of nowhere flash of lightning kicks up a fire in front of you and you know a week later it was it was over but it was there and there were helicopters dropping off buckets of water every few hours if not you know leaving it for a couple days and then bringing it again so yeah you gotta have your shit ready to go a little bug out bag or a survival kit ready to go and the car ready to go too we'll chat all about that as I learn. And hopefully impart some pieces of information to you so that if it happens to you when you're out in the bush, etc, etc. It's a much more enjoyable experience. Anyway, as always, get out there. Feel the nature, man. Just feel what it's like to be inside Mother Nature. Peace out. Lots of love. I will catch you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Bye.